Welcome to O Joy, O Rapture, a celebration of the Ohio Light Opera, the resident professional company of the College of Worcester. We are broadcasting to you live from the studio of Woo 91, WCWS, 90.9 FM on your radio dial in Worcester, and streaming online through the College of Worcester website and the iHeartRadio network. I'm your host, Colleen Thomas, and I invite you to join me for the next hour as we enjoy some historic recordings from the Ohio Light Opera archives and look ahead to the offerings of the 34th festival season currently underway. But first, in Savoy Theatre tradition, you are invited to join in the singing of God Save the Queen in honor of Queen Victoria.
that was Jalen Thompson conducting the 2001 Ohio Light Opera Orchestra, Victor Herbert's 1906 operetta, The Red Mill. So I'd like to welcome you to this hour we have together on the Saturday afternoon, uh, looking at the Ohio Light Opera, listening to historic recordings, and thinking about what's going on right now uh, in this festival season that is currently underway. Uh, we will have a conversation uh, we can share with you later in the hour, a recent conversation with Ted Christopher, who's a baritone with the Ohio Light Opera, and he will be speaking with us about his experiences with the company over the years, and also uh, the plans that are underway for the, uh, this summer's production of Sigmund Romberg. Blossom time. So stay tuned for that later this hour. All right, now we will have another selection by Victor Herbert. Uh, this is Kenneth Brundage in Naughty Marietta. Enjoy. I always knew I was a rising American, but ladies, after tonight, I have rose. <laughs> So history says had wives a hundred score, and yet he wasn't satisfied and looked around for more. He wore a knobby purple robe and an 18 carat hat, and the sweet young things just couldn't resist, so swell a guy is hurt. So he used to take a wedding trip most every day or so, and still he couldn't handle all the bride who tried to go. He bought his wedding rings and bales a thousand in the lot. And he used to get ten trading stamps with every bale he got. He kept the bakers baking all the bakings they could bake. And he filled the royal pantry with the royal wedding cake. Of course, a king's the sort of thing most everyone wants to be. But I don't think that Solomon had such a much on me. It's pretty soft for Silas, as you see. A regular snap for Silas, lucky boy. My winning way and soggy smile have Mr. Solomon in the mind. And it's pretty soft for Silas, what joy! The Queen of Sheba came to see what kind of a royal king was he. But look at the queens that It's pretty soft for Silas, lucky
You're listening to Woo 91, WCWS 90.9 FM, a public service station of the College of Worcester. That was Sarah Jane McMahon, Anthony Maida, and Jacqueline Langfelter and Emmerich Kalamans' operetta called Sorry. That was produced during the uh, 2001 season, and that's S-A-R-I, not the other thing you might have heard me say. Um, Sorry as in a name, sorry. And that was the James Stewart version of Emmerich Kalamans' work. And before that, you heard Jennifer Hilbish as Phoebe in The Yeoman of the Guard. So thinking about the 2001 season of the Ohio Late Opera, I'm going to give you a quick rundown on the history of that year, what happened on the Freelander stage. There were seven shows produced in the 2001 uh, season. Victor Herbert's The Red Mill, Emmerich Kalamans' Sorry, Jacques Offenbach's Orpheus in the Underworld, Carousel by Rodgers and Hammerstein, and the James Stewart version of The Merry War, which was by Johann Strauss. And there were two Gilbert and Sullivans produced that summer, The Gondoliers and The Yeoman of the Guard. The 2001 season opened with Carousel on June 14th and closed with Carousel on August 11th. Now, most of those shows we will uh, be sharing selections with you today on today's show. They were not all recorded during 2001, but they are selections from those particular shows. And we have next a selection from Orpheus in the Underworld. This one is featuring Arlene Simmons as Mercury, Rebecca Comerford as Juno, and Ted Christopher as Jupiter. And stay tuned, because after that we will be having a little conversation with Ted Christopher about his adventures with the Ohio Light Opera and um, the show he's directing with the Ohio Light Opera this summer. So here now, Orpheus in the Underworld, um, hip-hop, hip-hop. Enjoy. Well, I'll tell you, I am the errand boy. You bought it, spend it, 
much to welcome Ted Christopher to the studio with us this morning. Thank you. He has been, this is his 14th season with the company. 14. 14. Correct, yes. Can you share with us some of your most memorable moments? Well, actually, first, let's start with how did you get involved with the Ohio Light Opera? Well, I got involved with the Ohio Light Opera um, as a performer uh, when I auditioned for the Ohio Light Opera in 1997. And uh, the then artistic director and founder of the company, James Stewart, Doc, hired me to perform. I became familiar with the Ohio Light Opera, however, many, many years earlier. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, starting in around 1981 or 82, my parents, when I was, you know, zero. <laughs> no, I was, I, was, I was actually probably about 10 or 11 at the time. My parents were convinced by friends of theirs that they should, uh, they should um, you know, load up in a car and come down to Worcester, Ohio to see performances of the Ohio Light Opera, and uh, they brought me with them. I, you know, I can't say that at that time I was, I was, I was riveted by the, uh, by the performances, um, but over the years, uh, we returned several times, and uh, I developed a, uh, a, a real affinity for the place, uh, uh, for the repertoire, um, and as I began performing as a, as a young kid and then uh, into high school, um, I very much looked up to the Ohio Light Opera. It uh, it seemed it seemed like the the sort of the pinnacle of uh, of of this particular genre and this particular repertoire. And um, actually, this is a, this is a little sidebar. But when I was when I was in eighth grade, um, I, I was already interested in theater and music and was performing some. And um, I was persuaded by a friend a friend of our families in Cleveland. Uh, w uh, that, that I should audition for the Ohio Light Opera. Now, of course, the Ohio Light Opera does not generally hire high school or, or even, to say nothing of junior high school um, performers, but um, she knew Doc, and uh, she felt that Doc would be interested in getting to know me and, the, and that I would be interested in getting to know him. And, and so, so in any event, I, this was a, probably about 1986... Uh, I came down and auditioned for the Ohio Light Opera, and I remember the audition. Uh, it, it was it was in Friedlander Theater. It was actually downstairs in the lecture hall. Um, I can't think of the name of the lecture hall. I believe it was Lean Lecture Room. Lean Lecture Room. Yes, indeed. And um, and I was singing. Uh, there was a little upright piano, and I remember Doc was sitting there, and there was somebody else sitting there. I can't remember who it was. But as part of the audition, you had to do a reading, and I 
had actually, by the time I was in eighth grade, I had I had appeared in HMS Pinafore two times, um, uh, both at both at my middle school and then at also at, at one of the uh, one of the girls' schools, the local girls' schools in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, and so so I knew the I knew the the script pretty well, and so I I presented a, a rather long monologue of Rafe Rackstraws um, that, uh, that 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 ends ends with Rafe. You know, rather passionately making his avowal of love to Josephine. You know, um, you know, he says, um, "I am but a living ganglion of irreconcilable antagonisms." I hope I make myself clear, lady. Even though Jove's armory were launched at the head of the audacious mortal whose lips, unhallowed by relationship, blah 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 blah, blah. and it ends very, very passionately and, and energetically with Josephine. I am a British sailor, and I love you. And from the middle of the lecture hall, I hear Doc's voice replying in exactly Josephine's line in the script, her next line, Oh, my heart, my beating heart. <laughs> and, I, you know, so this was my introduction to, uh, to James Stewart. And, uh, and I must say, at least in my head, it was very meaningful. And in the years that followed, when I did finally perform with the company and I did finally get to know him, I always held on to that moment as our, as our sort of our inaugural event. You know, my relationship with Doc was... Um, I think very good. I think like everyone's, it was complicated. <laughs> he was a force of nature, absolutely larger than life presence and personality. And sometimes when you get a, a larger than life personality and presence in a room full of other larger than life presences and personalities, there can be fireworks. Uh, that certainly was, was true of, of Doc and uh, Doc and me. But at the end, there was deep affection and uh, respect, and uh, I miss him very much. Mm. Mm. What can you tell us about some of your favorite roles that you had or experiences you've had here? You know, a company member actually this summer asked me, what was your favorite season at OLO? And I said, well, this one, of course. <laughs> and of course, I giggled and he giggled. And nobody takes that answer seriously, but I, but I think it's true. I think it must be where you are and what you're doing at the moment. I mean, you never know, actually, how a show is going to turn out until you do it. Um, you know, there have, been, there have been some seasons and some performances where, in retrospect, I saw that it was successful beyond my wildest imagination. And, and there were also some that I thought, perhaps in the middle of it, in the thick of it, oh, my gosh, this is going to be great. This is going to be spectacular. And then you look back on it and you sort of say, hmm, well, okay, well, that happened. <laughs> so the great gift of this place for me is that it forces you to be present. It forces you to be in the moment. Now, I can reflect, of course, on very memorable seasons. Of course, my first was distinctly memorable because it was the thing that propelled me to come back year after year. I remember a production of Patience, for instance, from that summer, the summer of 1997. Uh, the, uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to perform the role of Grosvenor and the Bunthorn in that production. It was the first season, actually, the Doc didn't do Bunthorn. And the Bunthorn that season was, was a young baritone from Oberlin, I, I don't even think he's performing anymore, called Patrick, Ye Patrick Yeager. And he was, I mean, without doubt, in, in, in my brain, definitive, mm -hmm. absolutely definitive in that part. And I just remember the joy uh, we had uh, every night doing that final, mm -hmm. final scene, you know, between Bunthorne and Grosvenor. Um, and from my second summer, I, I remember very vividly a production of the Offenbach opera uh, La Vie Parisienne, 
um, which to this date, I mean, if you were to ask my father um, and, you know, my mother before she passed away, what were your, what was your favorite production you ever saw at the Ohio Light Opera? It was, it was La Vie Parisienne in 1999. It was a short, little, you know, kind of amuse-bouche almost of a piece. I mean, each, you know, four acts, and each act was about 25 minutes long. Um, and like all Offenbach, it, it doesn't sell well, or at least it doesn't sell as well as, you know, I suppose producers would like. Um, but it was perfect. I mean, it was absolutely a perfect cast, a perfect um, a perfect production. I mean, everything, it's, the stars were in alignment. And um, and it's just on from there. Every Every season I've been at this place, I could identify similar experiences so if you're just joining us my guest is ted christopher company member of the ohio light opera and director of blossom time this summer blossom time is by sigmund romberg it's a sort of a it's an adaptation of an operetta which sort of puts it in a unique place to begin with most operetta are based on source materials you know either a historical event or maybe a novel or maybe a maybe some other, you know, a play or something like that. In this instance, this piece, Blossom Time, is based on an earlier operetta called Dry Madel House, which actually was performed by the Ohio Light Opera in 2000, I can't remember, 303, maybe 04, something like that. It's the story of Franz Schubert, you know, the the, uh, the composer, the you know 19th century Austrian composer, you know, writer of many major works, you know, major symphonies, you know, over 600 songs, prolific, significant composer in, in Western music. Um, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of based on a, on a, a fanciful made-up story, slightly made-up story anyway, uh, of a love triangle between Franz Schubert and his friend Franz Schober. Schubert is in love with uh, Mitzi Kranz in Blossom Time. Mitzi is, of course, one of the three, you know, young young daughters of Christian Kranz, who's a jeweler to the, you know, court of Vienna or whatever. And um, Schubert falls in love with her, but of course, the sort of the um, the bittersweet, tragic element of the piece is that he cannot bring himself to do anything about it. Blossom Time is going to be a beautiful counterpoint, I think, this summer to some of the larger. Um, zanier, maybe maybe more 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 zippy um, performances, productions we're doing this summer. For instance, Connecticut Yankee, or which uh, which is certainly a big show. Guys and Dolls, you know, which is you know huge, huge, wonderful, wonderful production. Blossom Times a very very small, intimate show, lyrical, uh, bittersweet. I would say almost to the point of being slightly, I don't just say tragic is too strong a word. But definitely bittersweet with the bitter underlined. I think um, at least the production we're doing, the story we're telling, is really going to underline this whole idea, this unrequited love, the idea of what it, what it costs Schubert to, to give up on this idea of this love for this woman, with this woman, and in effect lose himself lose himself in his music, lose himself in his art. Mm-hmm. Almost, you might say, the cost mm-hmm. to Schubert that all of this great, that, that, all, that, he, that he paid, let's say, for all of this great music. Wow. Have we ever done anything like this here? Oh, sure, yeah. Of course, you know, the operetta, as a, as a, as a repertoire, you know, operetta, I think, has a, there's a perception of it out there that it's, that it's light and frothy, and sort of like sort of like a confection that is you know delicious and rather substanceless 
Now, I'm not saying that, that a lot of it isn't. <laughs> but there is also a wonderful tradition in light opera of wistfulness, of bittersweet, of melancholy, especially in the Viennese-Austrian tradition. You know, Lehar, mm-hmm. Strauss, you know, even Kalman, you know, that we do, we do a lot of the, the works of Emmerich Kalman here at the Ohio Light Opera, more on the Hungarian side rather than, than Viennese or, you know, German. But this idea that there is a sort of formulaic comedy, there's a zaniness, there's a kind of a topsy-turvy quality to it, of course, mistaken identities, silly comedic characters. But there's also an underpinning of, of real pathos, genuineness in the characters. You know, I'm reminded, actually, of, of an experience with Doc early on. We were performing the, the Johann Strauss opera, A Night in Venice. You know, you know, it was a piece that, at least when I was first involved with it, was, was very, very given to the idea of the, of the silliness of it, of the, the sort of broad comedic elements in the, in the show. And sort of, I played this kind of spaghetti-wielding madman called Papa Coda and everything. <laughs> Um, and uh, and we had a very pointed exchange, he and I, about it. And he said, you know something, Ted? He said, even the most ridiculous characters have hearts. Even the most ridiculous, zany situations have something that is important to them as a character. And you've, you, you've got to find that as an actor. You've got to find that in a piece, even a zany, silly piece, to give it a sort of an anchor or kind of mooring in uh, real human experience. Otherwise, you're watching kind of a farce that is sort of satirical, almost. You know, no, I love satire. Don't get me wrong. And I have certainly, as a performer, it's like eating a bag of Cheetos. You can't stop once you start, you know. And I'm, I'm as guilty as the next one in going too far with this, uh, sort of a satirical winking at the audience, almost kind of comedy. But even in, even in the broadest, most ridiculous comedy there's always an underpinning of heart of genuineness of sincerity and if you look closely i think you find often there's a there's a sort of a pathos and almost a character that you that you identify with in a in a a slightly bittersweet or sad sort of way you know that you kind of wish it could work out you wish it could work out for them and so blossom time is very much in that tradition and there's silliness and zaniness uh, Boyd Mackis with the most ab- absurd goulashy German accent you've ever heard. This trio of kind of bohemian characters right out of La Boheme. You know, so there's plenty of that sort of thing in the show, too. Wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with us. Well, thank you very much. And that was Ted Christopher speaking with me this week in the College of Worcester Wu 91 uh, recording studio. Now we will hear Ted performing two selections. The first one is something with Patrick Yeager from Patience from that 1997 season he mentioned, um, followed by uh, Ted performing as the Major General Stanley in Pirates. Enjoy. However popular it may be with the world at large, Your personal appearance is highly objectionable to me. Is it? It is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How can I express my gratitude? (laughs) By making a complete change at once. Your conversation must henceforth be perfectly matter-of-fact. You must cut your hair and have a back parting. A big part? No, a back party. In appearance and costume, you must be absolutely commonplace. Uh, No. Pardon me. (laughs) That's impossible. 
Take care. When I'm thwarted, I'm very terrible. I can't help that. I'm a man with a mission, and that mission must be fulfilled. <laughs> I don't think you quite appreciate the consequences of thwarting me. I don't care what they are. Suppose... I won't go so far as to say that I will do it, but suppose for one moment I were to curse you. <gasps> ah, very well, take care. Oh, no, no, but I'm sure you would not do that. I don't know. It is an extreme measure, no doubt. Still... No, 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 I'm sure you would not do that. I'm sure you would not do that. Oh, Mr. Bundorn, reflect, reflect. You had a mother once. And... Never. <laughs> then you had an aunt. Oh, I see you had. By the memory of that aunt, I implore you to pause ere you resort to this last fearful expedient. Oh, Mr. Van Thorne, reflect, reflect. I must not allow myself to be undermined. It's useless. Consent at once, or may I nephew's curse. Hold are you absolutely resolved? Absolutely. Will nothing shake you? Nothing, I'm adamant. Oh, very well. Then I yield. Oh, you swear it. I do, cheerfully. I have long wished for a reasonable pretext for a change such as you suggest. It has come at last. I do it on compulsion. Victory! I triumph! When I go out of door, of damsels a score, of slying and burning and clinging and yearning will follow me as before. I shall recalcate taste, distinguish gems from paste, and hide a little rank as a needle if I pronounce it chaste. A most intentional man, a soulful idiot man, and of the poetical, super aesthetical, out of the way young man. Conceive me if you can, an everyday young man, a commonplace type with a stick and a pipe and a half a back and tan, who thinks suburban hops more fun than Monday pops, who's fond of his dinner and doesn't get dinner on bottled beers and chops, a, a commonplace young man, man, a matter of fact young man, a steady and solidly jolly and comedy everyday young man, a Japanese young man, a blue and white young man, Francesca Rimini, Mimini, Pimini, should say quarry young man, a Chancery Lane young man, a Somerset House young man, a very delectable, highly respectable threepenny bus young man, a pallid and thin young man, a haggard and late young man, a greenery gallery, grove in a gallery, foot in a grave young man, a sewell and cross young man, an owl and James young man, a pushing and particle, once an ex article, Waterloo House young man, conceive me if you can, a clever young man, an alphabetical, hermetical, I've been young man, conceive me if you can, a clever young man. Information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fight historical from Manifold to Waterloo and order categorical. I'm very well acquainted too with matters mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. The bad binomial theorem I'm teeming with a lot of news. Oh, a lot of news, what a news, what a news. Ah, with many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. <laughs> Differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings and analogous. In short, and that is vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> Oh, 
I know I'm mythic history, King Arthur's and Sacanodox. I answer hard acrostics, I've a pretty taste for paradox. I quote an giants all the crimes of Heliodobus. In Conics, I can fall peculiarities, Barabalus. I can turn down to Raphael's and Janet Downs and Zophanes. I know the croaking chorus from the frogs of Aristophanes. And I can hum a few of which I've heard the music's dinner for. Oh, dinner for, dinner for, dinner for, dinner for. Ah! And whistle all the airs and let Inferno nonsense pinafores. <laughs> I know what is meant by mammalin and ravelin when I can tell its sight a mouser rifle from a javelin. Oh. When such affairs as sorties and surprises I'm more wary at, and when I know precisely what is meant by commissariat, when I have learnt what progress has been made in modern gunnery, when I learn more of tactics than a novice in a nunnery. In short, when I've a smattering of elemental strategy. Strategy, it always kills me. Strategy, strategy, strategy. Oh, oh thank you, darling. They run a horse. You'll say a better major general that never rode a horse. Oh! Well, it's what she said. She said, General. Are you sure? Good idea. You'll say a better major general that never strategy. <laughs> Any knowledge, though I'm plucky and adventure, has only been brought down from the beginning of the century. But still, that is vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs>
so I can be with you when the baby's born. The main thing is to keep on living. Keep on caring about what's going to happen to you. You remember that sampler you gave me? Do you remember what it said? It hurts. I used to sing them in school. Say them now. See if you know what they mean.
and this is WCWS 90.9 FM in Worcester, a public service station of the College of Worcester, otherwise known as WU91. You were joining us for the last little bit of O Joy, O Rapture, um, coming to you every Saturday between 12 and 1 here on the College of Worcester radio station. Um, that was... That was a selection from Carousel from the 2001 season. Anne-Marie Wilcox and Julie Wright Costa, preceded by a selection from The Gondoliers with Jesse Wright Martin as Tessa. And those were both recorded during the 2001 season of the Ohio Light Opera. The 2012 season of the Ohio Light Opera is underway, going amazingly well, um, and four productions have launched now. Frank Lusser's Guys and Dolls, Richard Rogers' Connecticut Yankee, Gilbert and Sullivan's The Mikado, and Oscar Strauss's The Chocolate Soldier. Still to open this summer are Sigmund Romberg's Blossom Time, Gilbert and Sullivan's Utopia Limited, and Emmerich Kalman's Smith Springtime. I have a selection to play for you next from Blossom Time. Uh, this is not the Ohio Light Opera. This is a uh, commercial recording, um, Richard Fredericks uh, singing Song of Love in Blossom Time. Uh, but before I bring that to you, I want to make uh, you aware that uh, here in Worcester, there's a theater group called Whack Pack. They are doing a youth play called Mythory and Mayhem, and it is going up Friday, July 13th at 7 p.m., Saturday, July 14th at 2 p.m., at the Wayne Center for the Arts, which is at 237 South Walnut Street in Worcester. Admission is $5. Uh, for children five and younger, uh, ch- children five or younger are free. And for information, you can call 330-466-6360 or visit WACPAC.org. And uh, about the Ohio Light Opera, for more information, you can visit OhioLightOpera.org. And now here is Richard Fredericks in selection from Blossom Time, which is opening at the Ohio Light Opera next Wednesday. Once on a time in a kingdom by the sea lived the young
And that was Molly Donnelly um, as Iolanthe in Iolanthe, singing Oh Foolish Fay from the 1997 season. Well, we've come to the hour, the end of our hour, together here um, on Woo 91. I invite you to join us next week at noon for another edition of Oh Joy, Oh Rapture, a celebration of the Ohio Light Opera. Please feel free to check out ohiolightopera.org for information on this summer's festival season where you can hear historic recording samples of all the shows that are available. And if you'd like to listen to other versions of this show or hear part of it again, you can check out our podcasting page, ojoyorapture.wordpress.com. And we're also on iTunes. I will leave you today with another little bit of uh, The Red Mill from Victor Herbert. And we will see you back next week. Take care.